advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. This is a special series called PodX, where speakers share their passion uncensored. Initially, PodX was supposed to be an 18-minute challenge. However, interactions with some guest speakers highlighted a few issues that I did not consider and so out came the second format which is simply just a regular talk with no time limit that speakers can choose to do. Today's talk is by Dr. Jean Dodds who was game enough to try the 18-minute challenge. No penalties for those who went beyond 18. The most important thing is that the speakers enjoyed themselves which also included laughing at themselves while sharing their passion. I want to thank her for making the time to share this with me and now with you. Hello. Today we're going to talk about pet foods that sustain health and longevity for dogs and cats. This is a very important topic. The pet food industry this year is $114 billion in the United States based upon uh, health insurance, um, pet insurance requests for reimbursement for veterinary visits. And that has increased since 2011. We have data on 2011, 2015, 2017, 18, and 19 is not ready yet. And the, uh, it started out at $41 billion in 2011, and it's now 114 billion dollars. So this is an absolutely enormous um, amount of money spent by people appropriately on their companion animals. Now with the SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 lockdown, people worldwide now are spending more time at home with their pets than they ever have before. And they're starting to recognize things that they had no idea were going on when they were at work or at school or whatever they were doing. And they're learning more about their pet behaviors that can affect their health and longevity, of course, especially if they're doing naughty things at home um, that, that we would hope they wouldn't. And that when you come home from work or school, they look perfectly calm and happy to see you. And you don't know what they've been up to, mischief they've been up to during the day, especially when they could get into things they shouldn't be eating that are potentially toxic. 
So let's get, let's take a step back and look at the pet food industry. The pet food industry has climbed because of basically for convenience. There's another reason, and that is many people are not sure if they're home cooking for their pets or home preparing raw food or using scraps from the dinner table, which are not recommended, by the way. Um, they don't know if they're balanced or not. And so not only does the commercial pet food industry with um, AFCO or other certification of minimum requirements uh, balanced, and they can be comfortable with that. Uh, they also could have ingredients that the particular pet cannot tolerate, and that's a very big issue. Now, intolerance to foods in people and animals has been increasing in the last 15 years as we've polluted the environment and um, change the ozone layer. And so we have not only um, the sky, the earth and the sea are changing in terms of their contaminants as well as their nutrient ingredients. But for example, um, prebiotics like blue-green algae, um, they're changed now depending on what waters those algae are collected from. Um, so we have all sorts of new issues associated with global warming, deforestation, the change of agriculture, especially in, um, in countries with uh, like Eastern Asia and of course Africa, where there's not enough food protein from livestock, for example, to feed the country uh, and their growing populations. And so we have to look at alternate food sources like insects, uh, like seaweeds, other things that can provide protein. And so we have now, not only for people, but for animals, things like protein powders to replace the fact that, that in some areas, and especially with today's pandemic, people don't have enough money to feed themselves and care for themselves, let alone worry about what they can feed their special uh, companion animals. And so we have animals, uh, more animals ending up in pounds and shelters uh, at one point because people thought they were catching SARS-CoV-2 and, and um, COVID-19 from the pets, which we know now is not true. Um, and then now because people can't afford to feed them. So what do we do now to sustain their health? Well, everything was going along smoothly with a big pet food industry making a gazillion dollars on all of this, as I've mentioned at the beginning. Um, but in 2018, in the summer, two veterinary uh, nutritionists, one from a vet school in uh, East, Eastern uh, America, one from a vet school in West, Northwestern America, told the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, that they believed that foods that were grain-free or boutique, like exotic meats and animals and whatever in them, were causing an increase in dilated cardiomyopathy and canine heart disease. Well, this caused a, an absolute worldwide panic because what the FDA said was that there was a potential link. They didn't say there was a link. Now, there's no evidence here other than the opinion of these two academics, um, the one on the East Coast's program being funded by Nestle Purina, the one on the Northwest being funded by Colgate-Palmolive, that's Hills. And in fact, that person is a golden retriever breeder. And so the first thing they said was, there are some animals that are genetically, dogs that are genetically predisposed to canine heart disease, um, Dobermans, Irish wolfhounds, um, German shepherd dogs, uh, American Cocker Spaniels, 
you can go on salukis, boxers, uh, you can go on. And then there's all the suspected um, breeds that have an increased predisposition like St. Bernard's and Newfoundland's and English cockers. And gosh, we can go on and on and on with the list um, and, and, and Scottish deerhounds. And that's not proven. However, what these two groups said was there were more golden retrievers than they expected uh, based on the potential and therefore golden retrievers had a genetic predisposition or were perceived to have that and therefore they couldn't eat any grain-free diet because if they were on a grain-free diet they'd get heart disease. Well everybody stopped feeding the grain-free diets and what became even worse uh, Armouris, is that um, the FDA listed the reports. There were 492 reports to the FDA of potential issues in the dog and um, nine in the cat. That's all. So the cat wasn't a major concern in this issue. And what they did was they listed the, the pet foods that were most commonly reported, implying that they could be the ones involved. Now, the problem was they got sued by those pet food companies, of course. Um, not that you can sue the government, but whatever. Um, so this doesn't mean that those uh, animals had more problems because they fed that food. It just happened to be statistically the ones that had more cases reported to them. Okay, so there were 16 listed. This was huge. Now, people like myself said, wait a minute, wait a minute. In same year, 2018 in October, we said, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. There's no evidence. Uh, you need to be sure that grain-free is a problem. You can't link that. And if the animal has a genetic predisposition to get heart disease, it could develop it anyway, regardless of what the food was, as long as it was balanced. Well, the jury is now closed and the thing is finished because there are now two major publications this year in the Journal of Animal Science. One, a, an invited review by, I guess, about 20 authors that said there's no statistical evidence that this was ever true. And they went through the original reports line by line and showed how they were just impressions and not proof. The second article, took another look at it and said, you're absolutely right, there's no proof. And furthermore, a board certified cardiologist at St. Kitts in the Virgin Islands wrote a paper, actually presented a paper um, at the internal medicine meetings when all this was going on. And we don't know whether she still survived it or not, but her paper showed that she fed entirely vegetarian balanced diets to dogs for 90 days and showed no change in any cardiac functions, including echocardiography and whatever. So she said her data clearly showed that, that pets could eat only a plant-based diet for 90 days and not have any risk to their heart health. Now, what's interesting about that is um, dogs are not carnivores like cats. Dogs are obligate omnivores. And uh, about 20 years ago, some people in Scandinavia determined that the genetic basis, the genomic uh, identity of the dog had changed to adapt to the current feeding that they were getting, traveling from people that became nomadic hun hunters to gatherers of, of uh, crops and field grains and whatever. So the pets that followed them had to adapt to digest starch or they wouldn't survive. So the body adapted and they um, obtained three new um, genetic markers that allowed them to digest starch. 
So that's why dogs are obligate omnivores now and they can eat plant-based foods. In fact, um, my co-author of our uh, nutrition book, uh, Diana Larvadura and I, are writing a new book due next summer entirely on plant-based foods for dogs, balanced, and that excludes insect because as a, I'm a vegetarian, she's a vegan, insects are not vegan because they have, you know, animal-based parts and covers. So it's very interesting. And uh, so what we now know as we evolve the diets for dogs and cats, we know that grain-free diets are perfectly fine. Many, many premium food companies feed balanced grain-free diets now. And so that issue should be pet to, put to rest. However, even in Southern California, where we practice in our holistic medicine clinic, we still get cardiologists in our area telling the clients that they've got to feed a food with grains and get off the grain-free special diets when their animals are in perfect health. I mean, intuitively looking at them, they're healthy. How can that be right? And so they're still telling them because either they've read the literature, recent literature, which is just this year now, the, the definitive literature, or they haven't read it, and if they've read it, they don't care. They're not going to buy into it because they've been programmed to identify diets without grains, uh, you know, no wheat, corn, soy, etc., as being um, unsafe. So the next dilemma we have about how do, how do pets thrive and stay healthy is, do you eat a raw diet? Do you eat a processed diet? Do you eat a home-prepared diet? Do you eat kibble? What do you eat? Well, the best diet is obviously raw. There's no question. The fresh ingredients, organic raw. Why does it have to be organic? Because we now know from the recent published literature that all non-organic um, foods, carbohydrates, vegetables, whatever, are contaminated with Roundup glyphosate. So all of us, humans and animals alike, should be whenever you can eat organic foods because they are not sprayed like all the other um, foods are, food substances are with glyphosate. And glyphosate is carcinogenic and it has all kinds of horrible things to the body. I mean, there's no question about that. There's a moratorium on its use in European countries and some South American countries. We're trying to avoid it. So what do people do when they can't afford enough proper foods for their pets these days, and they certainly can't afford organic human-grade foods for their pets. They go to the local farmer's market, if possible, in the area, because most of the farmers in the area know what's safe and, and what, what needs to be done in the area that they come from. Although I saw a recent article this last week that said that the farmer's market products may be fine and not sprayed with things like glyphosate, but, you know, there's also... Um, contamination with bacteria and other things around the benches and underneath the food stalls and whatever. So we've still got the issue of our people um, doing proper distancing, proper masking, proper uh, soap and water washing of their hands and all so they don't contaminate. We're not just talking about SARS-CoV-2, we're talking about the flu season, we're talking about everything. So anyway, definitely raw is the best if you can do it. Um, we avoid chicken and venison whether it's raw or cooked, because those are pro-inflammatory hot foods in Chinese medicine. So we don't want a hot food, especially for an animal that may have a bowel problem or some other skin itching or clinical signs that could be a food intolerance. So we don't do that. So let's say that people say, 
Oh, and the raw diets today are, are not sterile, but no food is sterile. You can take a kibble and culture it and you'll grow all kinds of salmonella and campylobacter and listeria and even eat sometimes E. coli 157. So the raw diet's gonna be the same, but we have commercially available raw diets that are freeze dried, dehydrated, or subjected to high pressure pasteurization. Those are not unsafe, not at all. If you wanna make your own raw diet, you need to get a, a recipe that's balanced from a qualified veterinary nutritionist or animal nutritionist. Um, we offer those all the time, for example, as do others. And what you can do, you buy human grade, preferably grass fed meats. The reason is that if not, there could be corn in the flesh of the meat and corn is GMO, genetically modified field corn. And so you've got corn and other grains that's been fed to the meat in the flesh. And so you're not avoiding the things you want to avoid for health. So it needs to be grass fed whenever possible. So let's say you get grass fed beef and you're good and it's lean beef and you've bought it and it's human grade and you say, how can I make sure it's safe? You put it into small amounts for every two days or three days, whatever is possible, depending on the size of the pet. You dip these amounts before you freeze the meat in grapefruit seed extract or grape seed extract. And that um, basically cleanses the surface of the meat. And then you put it in the freezer. Now, when you've put it in the freezer, you're basically gonna stop any bacterial contamination from multiplying. They're still gonna be there, but they're not gonna multiply and they're basically dead, okay? So then you can feed it. If you want to cook it, you just sear it on the outside and don't make it too pink inside. It needs to be, you know, not dripping with, with the juices, but pinkish and then seared on the outside. So that's raw or slightly cooked for home prepared balanced diet. If you do a kibble, it should be premium and grain-free, absolutely, without any question. And there are many, many kinds on the market these days. And if your pet has a food intolerance, you need to look at the options and you can do that easily online of what now. The food could say it's, um, let, let's just use an example. It's salmon and sweet potato. Great, salmon's a wonderful protein. Um, it's relatively high in fat, so you wouldn't give it to an animal with um, pancreatitis, for example, inflammation of the pancreas. But let's just take our example, salmon and sweet potato. Now go online and look, and you may find out that it also has chicken meal and barley and fish oil, other fish oils and quote, natural flavors, whatever. And then the other thing you need to watch for is the herbs that are not um, safe for epileptics or animals from families with epilepsy. So those are neurotoxins and that would be rosemary, oregano, fennel, and sage. So when you look at commercial pet food, whether it be grain-free or with grain, and we're recommending grain-free, many, many of them have rosemary as a preservative. You don't want to feed that. Nor do you want, so if you're making your own food, you don't want to put mixed Italian herbs in that because you're going to get oregano. So you just have to be careful about, uh, about those things. And you can go online and ask which herbs are neurotoxic and, they, and you'll be told that. The same thing with oils, essential oils. Okay, so here we are. Um, you've got your commercial kibble. You're reading the ingredients. You're finding out if your animal can't eat a certain uh, meat, let's say, can't have pork. 
Okay, so then you need to go online and pick a non-pork food and make sure that in the ingredient list, there's no pork. Now, people think that if the ingredient is number 10 on the, the, the ingredients are listed in order of the amounts. So the first ingredient has more of it in the food than the second and the third. So people say, well, I, I know I can't have rosemary, but it's number 12 on the list and I can still use it. No, 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 you can't. It's still there. And the animal is acutely intolerant, so you can't use it. Um, we had an interesting story about a client who had an animal with a food intolerance and had done our NutriScan testing, the saliva testing, and the dog was uh, reactive to, it's um, Belgian Malinois, was reactive to about three foods, no problem. Uh, actually, no, sorry, a German Shepherd dog, um, about four years old at the time. So they stopped feeding those foods and the dog was doing fantastically. Dog is now nine, wasn't doing well suddenly, and they didn't know what was going on. So they did another NutriScan test which means you still can't eat the first three foods, but my gosh, there were a whole bunch more foods. And she said, well, I expected that because he's not well, but he's never eaten rabbit and he reacted to rabbit. So I wrote back to the client and I said, Are, do you take him in the park? Are there any wild rabbits around there? Or do you have rabbits around you? She said, oh, we have a mother rabbit and her babies that lives under our porch and she walks around the backyard all the time. So I said, well, what do you think? She said, she must be, he must be eating rabbit poop. <laughs> so you see, sometimes these, I mean, it's a crazy story. And in fact, it's going to be on our website. She's got a picture of her dog and she's going to explain how that happened. So if you get a reaction to a food with a proper test, which would be our saliva test and not the blood tests for foods, um, you need to be a detective to figure out what happened. You know, sometimes an animal's on a restricted diet and the kids come home from college and they come to the door and the dog is jumping around as always and they've got a, a Big Mac Whopper Dopper, you know, they're eating and they give him some of the hamburger and he can't have meat, you know, so, uh, so then we have, you know, obviously lots of problems in the house after that for a few days. So keeping animals healthy is really important to pay attention to the diet. Make sure that, and don't say, oh, well, they can occasionally eat something he shouldn't have because it doesn't really matter and they really like it. Well, is it surprising that they like the food? Of course not. Their child will like things they can't eat as well, you know, and immune memory is for life. So it's like a child with a peanut allergy. They can't tolerate it when they're young. They shouldn't have it when they're older. So I think that's probably enough basically about how to keep animals healthy, right? Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone. <laughs>